I'm not asking you to raise your hands, just for you to think about this, okay? Have you been here for the last month in church? Have you missed a Sunday in the last four weeks? Well, probably most of you haven't. You can say, well, I've been here pretty faithful for the last four weeks. Well, why is that? I would venture to guess that you have scheduled that. It has become a priority to you. You get up on Sunday morning, and you can probably think of a million other things you'd want to do. Stay home, lay in the bed, go out and do something, go to the lake, whatever. Man, I know I could. I'd love to go play golf on a Sunday morning. I'd love to go fishing on a Sunday morning. But I never have. And why is that? Because I schedule in, I make it a priority to be here on a Sunday morning. It's something that I have had to discipline myself to do. Study is the same way. Some of you read the Bible at a certain time, and and you're pretty faithful at doing that. Um, Maybe it's just the devotional that you read. But for some reason, in some way, you've convinced yourself that that's important, that it's necessary, and you do it. And you've been real faithful at doing it. Now, why is that? Because you've disciplined yourself to do it. You see, you made it a priority in your life. The same thing is true with giving. Nobody likes to really give. It's not something, again, that comes natural. I mean, I could think of a thousand other things to do with my money. But I've made the Lord a priority and His church a priority, and I give faithfully and regularly. And I have prioritized that, and I plan it out, and I do it on a regular basis. And the same thing is true with praying. Now, we can wait until the Spirit moves, and we can pray over a certain prayer request when it comes in or when it's made aware to us, and and that can be our prayer life, but it's going to be pretty sporadic. Or we can schedule some time for prayer. We can plan it out. We can prioritize it. And we can make it a part of our life. Now, what I'm talking to you about today is learning the habits necessary for a dynamic prayer life. And I'm not negating or in any way putting down the spontaneous prayer because the Spirit of God moves. The Spirit of God lays it upon our hearts at certain times to to pray about things. But what I am trying to get you to see is the importance of planning the importance of scheduling, the importance of prioritizing. When it comes to the question of prayer in your life, you have to begin to schedule. You have to begin to prioritize, to discipline yourself, to pray. And when and where and how you do it is up to you. See, we're not trying to legislate this. But what we are trying to do is get you to see the importance of doing it that way. Because like anything else in your life, and especially in your Christian life, that if it's not a priority to you, and if you don't plan for it, then you're not going to do it because it doesn't come naturally. It's not something you're going to do automatically. Now, I know that some people think, well, that just kind of takes all the the pizzazz out of it. It takes all the the feeling out of it. It takes all of the um, personal touch out of it, but it really doesn't. All you're doing is planning and scheduling a time to pray because you know it's the right thing to do, and God responds. God responds. So this is what we're doing today. I want to emphasize three habits that are necessary for a dynamic prayer life. There's nothing new here. I mean, I'm not going to share with you some secret that unlocks the mystery of prayer. There isn't one. 
But what I'm going to do is share with you three things that we've all heard, that we're all aware of, but we just don't do. And I, I do this with, with the intent of emphasizing and encouraging you to do these things, to put them into practice. Now let's jump right in, okay? In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, we're going to begin here. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Now, what is he saying? He's saying, Lord, John the Baptist teaches his disciples how to pray. And we want you to teach us how to pray. And so he responds to that. Now, this is part of the passage where the Lord's Prayer is included. It's in uh, Mark, Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. I'm not going to be going all the way through that today. I'm only going to be going through verse 8. I'm going to divide it up and finish this next week. But what I'm going to do is look at how he responds, not according to what Luke records, because Luke doesn't cover it as detailed as Matthew does. The same question, and now his response, but it's recorded in Matthew. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8, here's what he says. And when you pray, now this is Jesus talking, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So now these are the three things that I want to get home, drive home to you today. Number one is this. When it comes to a dynamic prayer life, what are you going to have to do? You're going to have to begin to pray on a regular basis. A regular basis. Now we're looking at time here, okay? We're talking about scheduling. We're talking about setting aside time in your life that you say, this is my time to pray. And it could be any time, but it's just the idea that you see the importance of it, you're convinced of the need, and you schedule it. Notice in verse 5, this first part of verse 5, when Jesus says, And when you pray. Now the disciples have come to him and asked, Lord, teach us to pray. Now he didn't say, okay guys, if you decide to do this, he didn't say that. He said, when you do it, he fully expected them to. And it wasn't something where he said, just fly by the seat of your pants. He said, listen, when you do this. And the idea is, okay, they need to be praying and they need to be doing it on a regular basis. He expected it of them. And he expects it of you and me as well. So when you do this, he says. Now listen, Jesus prayed all the time. All you got to do is look through the New Testament. You see Jesus praying all the time. Now here's what has happened. The disciples have seen this. The disciples have heard him. They have heard the intimacy that he is talking to the Father. You know, they've heard this. And they say, man, I want to pray that way. You know, they've seen the faith that that Jesus has when he prays for something. Complete and total faith that the Lord is going to come through. That God the Father is going to respond. They've seen that. They've heard it. 
and they say, this is, this is what I want. Not only that, but they've seen the depth of the relationship that the son had with the father. When Jesus prayed, he entered into a relationship, an intimacy, a talking to, to the Lord that they've never experienced. And they see this and they want that. This is part of the reason why they're coming to him. Now, folks, listen, sometimes we get the idea that there are prayer warriors within Christianity that are unique. They're different. That somehow there's a prayer warrior, and this is a special breed of Christian. And that not everybody's supposed to be a prayer warrior. But, guys, that's not true. A prayer warrior is simply this, a person who prays on a regular basis. It's somebody that sees the need for it and does it. It's somebody that isn't sporadic about it. They take it seriously. They jump in there on a regular basis and they spend time with God. When Jesus prayed, he prayed constantly. He was always withdrawing himself away from the crowd and getting alone with the Father. The disciples weren't far behind. They were always around somewhere. They heard him. They saw him. And this is what they wanted. So this is why he says, when you pray, then he gives them the instructions on how to do it. Now let me ask you this question. I'm not, again, not asking for a show of hands here. But I want you to answer this question in your own heart here. When do you pray? When do you pray? Now some of you are sitting there thinking to yourself, well, I pray whenever there's a need. I pray whenever somebody tells me that there's a prayer need and they ask me to pray for them, then I pray then. I pray whenever I feel like it. I would venture to say there'll be very few of you that answer that question that say, I pray during this time. There's a set time that I try to make every day, not saying I do it every day, but there's a set time that I always go before the Lord at that time. I hope that we can do that. I hope that if, if nothing else by the time we're done here today, that you'll see the, the importance of it, the importance of simply praying on a regular basis. If this is serious, if this is something that you see as important and you're serious about this, then, guys, you've got to schedule it in. Now, maybe for you the morning is the best time, and that's when you're the freshest when you have the time. And maybe for you... During that time, you can set aside a few minutes each morning and pray. And it may be that you don't have a whole lot of prayer requests. You see, this is part of our problem. We think, well, I don't really have a whole lot of prayer requests. That's okay. Go to the Lord anyway. See, go to the Lord anyway, because we're going to talk about this next week. There are certain aspects of prayer other than just asking for things. But the important thing is that you have scheduled in a time to do it. For some of you, it's late at night. You know, you think to yourself, well, this is the time for me to do it. Because the kids are in the bed, the wife's gone to bed. This is most of my life. This is when I would spend my time praying. Because most of my life, I was in school. And I was always studying at night. So Deb and the kids would go to bed, and this is when I spent time praying. You know? Um, that changes over the years, and that's okay. But the point is this, that you're making room for it and you're scheduling it. Pray on a regular basis. Don't just wait until the Spirit moves. Don't wait until there's a need. Pray on a regular basis. That's the first thing. <clears throat> Here's the second thing. 
Number two, the second habit, get away from all the distractions. Get away from all the distractions. Here in verse 5, look at what he says. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Now, look at closely at what he's saying here, okay? The Pharisees, the hypocrites to whom he's talking about, they love to stand in public and pray. They'd do it in the synagogues. They would even stand on the street corners. Can you imagine this? Here's a Pharisee now. He stands on the street corner and raises his hands to God so that everybody can see him. And he's praying out loud this gorgeous oratory called a prayer. And everybody's just looking around at him thinking, oh, he is so spiritual. He is so spiritual. And they did it for that reason. They did it in order that people would think that about them. You ever wonder to yourself when people pray if that's not the case? You ever wonder when people pray and you hear them pray, if they're really talking to God, if they're just trying to impress people? It happens. It happened in his day. This was part of the problem. So when he's talking to him to these about these guys, he says, look, these are who they are. Don't be like the hypocrites. Now notice he says here, they pray so that everybody can see them. And then he makes this statement. He says, they already have their reward in full. Their reward in full. Now, what does he mean? Well, the praise of people. They prayed for a certain purpose so that people would acknowledge them and think they're great. People did. Now they've got their reward. That's all they get. Now, in a moment, in the next verse, you're going to see that he says to you and me that when we pray and we pray in private, that God rewards us. Now, you got to wonder, just what is the reward? Because our immediate response to this, or immediate conclusion, is that he's talking about answer to the prayer. I don't know that... <coughs> excuse me. I don't know that that's necessarily the case. Thank you. I think that the... Um, I think that the reward might be something different. In other words, God doesn't always respond and answer prayer. God waits. God says no. So the reward might be something different. What if it was this? And I think there's a strong possibility on this, okay? That God says to you and me, there's a special reward for you just for coming. There's a special blessing that I give to those who pray. The answer is totally separate. But I reward and I bless you when you pray. Those who pray for the love and the admiration of people, well, then they've already got their reward. They've already got their blessing. But when you come to me and you come privately and honestly with an open heart and you pray to me, then I bless. Now, what has it got to do with the distractions? What is this whole idea of praying have to do with the distractions. Well, here's what I think. I think that the people are the distraction. In other words, he's saying, look, don't be like these guys. They get into a public crowd and they start praying and the people around them become a distraction. And they begin to want to impress them rather than praying honestly. Now, guys, listen to me, okay, because this is important. 
Some of you right here, now listen, some of you right here find it very difficult to pray in a public meeting. Some of you find it almost impossible to pray in front of somebody. You just won't do it. I've had people tell me, Pastor, don't call on me because I'm not going to pray. I don't pray in front of people. Now, here's the question. Why not? And I'll venture to say that the answer to that is this, that you feel intimidated, that you feel like you have to measure up. You feel like you have to say certain things a certain way. You have to sound spiritual. You have to sound theological. If I pray, people will laugh at me because my prayers are so simple. And guys, I'm telling you that sometimes the people become the distraction. This is why I think in this particular passage he's saying, look, don't be like them who let others around them distract them. You be like this. You go get alone somewhere and pray to your father. And you open yourself up and don't be afraid of what people think. Now let me just say this, okay? He is not condemning public prayers. He is not condemning corporate prayer meetings. Listen to these two passages. They're both out of the book of Acts, talking about the early church. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it says, They all joined together constantly in prayer. Talking about the early church. They all joined together constantly in prayer. That's corporate prayer, a big prayer meeting. In Acts chapter 4, verse 24, here's what he said. They raised their voices together in prayer to God. They raised their voices together in prayer to God. You see, the problem wasn't prayer meetings. It wasn't public prayer. It was the way people looked at it, and people became a distraction. Now, here's the point. What he's trying to encourage these guys to do is, look, get away from people at times. Don't let people distract you. Don't let things distract you. And notice what he says in verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Get away. Be alone. And pray to your Father. A regular time of prayer. A regular place of prayer. A secret room. Private with the door shut. Now, guys, there's a time and place for public prayer. The reason we have our prayer meeting here on a Sunday morning like this, we have a time set aside for that. There's a time for the church to come together. But this cannot be, it should not be your only prayer in your life. You see, it's so important that I have this personal, private prayer time. A regular place, a regular time. Maybe there's some place in your life, in your, in your home or office or wherever, where you can get away. A certain room. Maybe it's the office where you work. Maybe it's the barn that you work in. Maybe it's your car. Some place where you go where you get away from the distractions. And you say, okay, this time, this place, this is where I'm going to spend time with the Lord. And there will be other times when I'm with people. And we pray together, but this time is just me, alone. 
Guys, there has to be that in all of our lives. You and I have to have that time. Get away from the distractions. Pray on a regular basis. Now, here's the third and final thing very quickly, okay? You need to begin to pray from your heart. You need to pray from your heart. Notice in verse 7, he says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Now, here was the problem. These Pharisees would pray on the street corners, they'd pray in the synagogues, and they would go on and on and on with these prayers. They would use big words, long prayers. They would be loud. They would just babble on. He says, don't babble on like the pagans do. He says, they think that they'll be heard by God because of the many words. And so they talked long and hard and loud, and all it was was evidence to the fact there was no relationship. There was no relationship between them and the Lord. Guys, God hears you. He hears you. No matter how simple your prayer is, God help me. He hears you. It's not the words that you use. It's not the length of your prayer. It's not the volume of your voice. But what he's looking for is for the prayer to come from the heart. And what we've got to be careful of is falling into the trap of using all these religious cliches. The same thing we say over and over and over, simply because it's become a habit. We've memorized prayers. We say them the same way all the time. And I want to ask you to do something, and this is something you can do at home. But listen to yourself pray. If you really want to be courageous, get a recording of it. Take your phone and just hit record during your prayer time. And then play back and listen to what you say. Do that for a week and see if you're not praying the same thing over and over again. It's rote memory. You're on autopilot. It's not from the heart. We're no different from the pagans who just babble on. And this is one of the reasons why prayer sometimes loses its enthusiasm, its dynamic. And we don't want to do it because you say, well, prayer is boring. Well, it's gotten that way because of what we're doing. And if we would just begin to learn to pray from the heart, just talk to God, believing that God hears you. Everything changes. Now listen to this. This is a quote. It comes out of a book by Bill Hybels. He's talking about this very subject. He says this. He says, I attended a conference where a group of high-level Christian leaders were present. The conversation was intense. I had to strain to keep up with the theological and philosophical issues being discussed. Lunchtime came and we all gathered at a nearby restaurant called The Hole in the Wall. A seminary professor was asked to pray. And as we bowed our heads, I felt for sure that the prayer would come off like some theological dissertation. You ever been there? You know what I'm talking about. He says the theologian began to pray and it went like this. Father, I love being alive today. And I love sitting down with these brothers in the hole-in-the-wall restaurant, eating good food and talking about kingdom business. I know you're at the table, and I'm glad. 
And I want to tell you in front of all these guys that I love you. And I'll do anything for you that you ask me to do. Hybels says he went on talking like that for another minute or two. And when he said amen, I thought to myself, I've got some growing to do. His sincere prayer showed me how often I pray on automatic pilot. How often do we do that? We pray on automatic pilot. Just babble on. And it's not from the heart. Listen to this verse. It's in Psalm 62, verse 8. It says this, Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge. Pour out your heart to Him. Pour it out. Let God know what you think. Let God know what you feel. Forget the flowery language. Forget all the theological stuff that we so often feel like we have to include in a prayer. How often do we go to God and say, Lord, look, this is how I'm feeling right now. Lord, help me because I am scared. I'm afraid. Lord, I'm angry. I'm mad at so-and-so. I don't want to be this way, but I am. I'm worried, Lord. I'm depressed. God, I'm thinking about taking my life. I'm hurting. How often do we ever go and we're honest with the Lord in that way? Look at what he says here in verse 8 of uh, Matthew 6, verse 8. He says, do not be like them, the Pharisees. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. You realize the, the weight of this? God knows what you need before you ever ask. So why are you afraid to ask? Why are you afraid to pour your heart out to him? Why do you feel that in order to come into the presence of God, you've got to wax theological? Why do you change when you pray? Why can't you talk to God the way you talk to other people? Why can't you say to God what's on your heart? Because God already knows what's on your heart. And God is saying to you, don't be like those people who just babble on. Don't be like those people who just use flowery words and all these things just to try to impress people because you're not impressing me. Just come and talk to me. Just come and tell me what's on your heart. Guys, listen to me. These are the three habits. These are three things that are so vitally important. That if my prayer life is going to change, these things have to change in my life. Number one, I've got to begin to pray on a regular basis. Don't wait until you feel like it. Schedule it. Have a regular time when you pray. Number two, get away from the distractions. Have a place where you go, a place that is just for you, that you can be alone. You know, the prayers don't have to be long, but the time spent is so valuable. And while you're there, the third and I believe the most important, pray from your heart. You pray from your heart. Don't get caught up in the flowery language and thinking that you have to be a theologian when you pray. Just pray from your heart. And guys, let me say this. For those of us that are scared to death to pray in front of other people, be it in a prayer meeting at church or a prayer group, 
please understand this, that God nor we expect some great theological prayer. I hope that each one of us see the value in honesty, in simplicity, and be able to pray from our hearts, and we are expecting that from other people. Just be yourself. Be yourself here in this church, and also be yourself in your prayer room alone praying with God. Now listen, I believe with all my heart that your prayer life will change dramatically if you begin to add a little bit of discipline into your life to find the place and the time to do it and commit to that. Don't feel guilty when you you miss a, a day or whatever, but just pick it back up again. This is between you and God, not anybody else. And that if you commit to always talking to God like your best friend, like your father, that you just be honest and pour out your heart to him. Folks, I guarantee you, your prayer life will change. If you're here this morning and you have never understood what it means to be a Christian, if you've never understood what it means to to be saved, to to be forgiven, maybe you've often wondered that and don't know the answer. If I were to ask you this morning that if you were to die right now, what would happen to you? You may not even know what to say. Most people will say something like, well, I hope I'll go to heaven. I think I will. I've been a good person. And you'll begin to list the things you've done. Let me share this verse with you. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. And it says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now look at the verse. God made him, the Father made his Son to be sin for us. He had no sin, but when he went to the cross, he became, listen to me, he became the rapist, he became the murderer, he became the thief. He became all of these things because he took your sin upon himself. God made him who had no sin to be sin for you, so that in him, that is when you put your faith in him, when you trust him, in him, we might become the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. How do I get to heaven? How good do I have to be? You know the answer to that question? You have to be perfect. But the beauty of what grace is all about is that you can't. This is why he says the righteousness of God is given to you. It's Credited to you. When I stand before God and he says, David, why should I let you in heaven? Why should I let you in heaven? I'm not going to say because I was a preacher. I'm not going to say because I served you. I'm not going to say because I was a good person. All of these things from time to time are true and false. All I will say is because in Christ I have his righteousness and not mine. His righteousness, he knew no sin. He took my sin on himself and he died for it. And that you look at me now and here's me with all of my sin and I'm in Christ. And when you see me, you see him. 
When you see me, you don't see my sin. You see his righteousness. Folks, this is the greatest exchange you can ever make, the best deal you'll ever ever know. That God loves you so much, he took your sin and gave you his righteousness. That's how you get into heaven. That's what grace is. It's a free gift. We accept it. The Bible says that whosoever believes shall be saved. That concludes you and me and all of us. As we close this service, just bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. You may be here this morning and for the first time in your life you understand the gospel. That Jesus died and took your place. And that you get to heaven not because of your goodness but because of his. Right now you have the opportunity to trust him. Will you do it? Right now as you sit there, make the decision to trust in the payment that was made. To believe that he did it for you. The Bible says that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That means you, that means everybody. Whosoever, but you don't understand, Pastor, you don't understand who I am, what I've done, the life I've lived. I don't, but God does. You know what? God never made a distinction. When God said whosoever, he meant you. When God has said whosoever will, he was thinking of you. Did God know your sin? Absolutely. He said, come anyway. Will you? Will you come? It's just that simple. Will you believe? Right there where you sit, Lord, I believe that Jesus died on a cross for me. And I'm choosing to trust him right now. Thank you, Father, for loving me that much. Now, I'm not going to have you come forward. I'm not going to put you on the spot, but I do want to know who you are. I'm going to ask you just to slip your hand up and put it back down. Say, Pastor, you can pray for me because... Right now, today, I'm trusting Christ as my Savior. Right now, I understand grace. Right now, I'm choosing to believe. Anyone at all? Our Heavenly Father, as we bow here in your presence, Father, we are overwhelmed by the truth of the gospel. We are overwhelmed by what grace really is. Father, I pray now for each one of us that we would begin to grow in all the areas of our Christian life, but, Father, especially, especially in the area of prayer. May we become prayer warriors, not because there's something special about us, but just because we've made a commitment to pray. That's all we ask, Lord, is that you help us to be that kind of a Christian. Father, bless us and guide us into righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen.